Greetings, greenhouse people, and welcome to another installment of Tech On Demand, where our goal is always to bring you tips, tricks, and information to produce, to produce and differentiate your best crop ever. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and I'm happy to be joined once again by Bryce Anderson, the sales manager for the HC companies. You may know him from such things as our previous podcast on pricing. Bryce is a 28-year industry vet with experience in a wide range of roles from greenhouse production and distribution to retail and even manufacturing. He's been a head grower. He's been a production manager. He's even managed the garden center. And he brings experience in sales and operation management to the table. He says his skills have evolved over the years to include water, media, nutrition management, and he has a particular focus on crop quality. And it's that range of skills and experience that should make this discussion particularly interesting. Product differentiation is critical to your value proposition. Our last podcast was awesome, in my opinion, because it was a conversation, and I expect the same this time. So, Bryce, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me back. I guess we kicked the training wheels off. We'll give it another go here today. For sure, for sure. Uh, last last time was, was fun, and I know we're going to have fun again today. So let's just dive right into this pool, shock the system with some cold water. How the heck can a grower differentiate a red geranium? I mean, obviously I'm being facetious, but the challenge kind of stands. Just differentiation's tough. So why don't you get us started with some quick thoughts on why this topic is so critical? Uh, it's interesting. I've always thought quality was the was the one way to differentiate your products from others, but the the, the quality scope is so narrow these days. Everybody's growing quality product. It's more scientific. Um, you know, for geranium, I, I think it's kind of two part. Is it blooming? Mm. Because if they're blooming, you can have terrible vegetative quality and it'll still sell like hotcakes and you could have beautiful vegetative quality geranium and no blooms and they'll sit there. Um, you know, the other thing is, too, is, is it your thing? You know, what are you known for? Are geraniums what you're known for? I mean, I remember George Lucked, you know, uh, Malmberg's, you know, but it's geraniums by George. You know, it's it's that's their thing is geraniums. They do a whole bunch of other stuff. But I always knew George is the geranium guy. Um, so, you know, could be, uh, something that people pick up when they're there. If geraniums are your calling or what getting people in the door, then that's your differentiation on that plant specifically, but blooms, 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 blooms sell. It's true. It, it's very true. And you're right. Quality is King, but the, I think the, the range of quality has gotten pretty narrow and just about everything that you see coming to market is high quality now. Um, thanks to all sorts of different, uh, reasons. And that does bring us to the whole point of differentiation and other ways to differentiate your products. So with an entire market full of choices from, I guess, one perspective, there's a lot of choice. And then there is, you know, copycatting and mimicking products from another point of view. The differentiation that you mentioned can be a little bit tough, I think, for people to wrap their head around. So how does, how does this move us down what could be considered a dangerous path to commoditization, if that's even a word, our products becoming commodities. I think, I think the cool, you know, really flowers in, in a way are, are in my opinion, somewhat commodity items with, with all the retailers out there. I mean, go to any number of places and find flowers and vegetables. Um, but when we start diving into selection, I think selection is really important, you know, uh, selection and kind of like, what is your one thing that you're known for? Um, 
you know, I, I think about, you know, vegetables are really hot, especially, you know, I feel like they really peaked and then they kind of tapered off a little bit. And, and now last year they went gangbusters and, you know, people don't want a tomato. They want to choose from a hundred varieties of tomatoes and you get people into your, your stores or you, or you get people to buy product for, from you for, for the selection that you have in one category, you kind of carry, carry the day, you fill the truck with the other stuff that you have. So rather than, you know, rather than try to be all things to, to all people, you know, my thing would be to, you know, pick something that I really want to, you know, focus in and hone in on to kind of draw everybody in and kind of make it my calling, you know, to go back to that, make it my thing that I'm known for and focus on that one thing and make sure I do it perfectly and, and do it consistently and never run out. Very, very good points. I think that uh, hanging your hat on, on a specific product or product type um, makes a lot of sense. And it needs to be something that you're passionate about. That's probably not something you can fake. And then, you know, my thought on, on tomatoes, when you, were, when you were talking about that, that range and how folks shopping now want, you know, they want to know everything, the ins and outs of those tomatoes. That's really about telling that story at retail or at the package that you're putting on um, in your wholesale production and, and really calling them out by name and not just putting them out and hoping that people can figure it out on their own. So when you start thinking about the time that it takes to put into variety selection and into the, the packaging around that, around that product, whether that's the, the story or the actual physical packaging, it seems like that could be costly, whether that's dollars or time. Um, to go out and, and hunt down the, the different types of products that you want to sell. So what do you, what do you think about the cost to differentiate or maybe like the flip side, the cost not to differentiate? It, it, I, I think it's all about looking at, looking at everything together, you know, packaging, genetics, um, varieties you know there you know i remember 25 years ago there there was literally like you know two different options of bacopa you know mm -hmm. one different option or two different options of scavola and now you've got five from every single breeder and it's like you know that can be overwhelming and i've seen the books from some of the you, you know the, the young plant producers that you know their offering is is very extensive but then you know, they pull the books off the shelf that show, you know, this is what we have available and it's like tenfold or a hundredfold. So they're just picking a very narrow offering of what's really available out there. Um, you know, it, 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 trying to be all things to all people can be probably the most costly part of it. You know, if, if you think that the, the market wants a simply beautiful, you know, Calabacoa and they want a uh, proven winners Bacopa, or they want a, a Selectra, um, Angelonia, you know, those are, they all have great varieties, you know, from those different breeders, but, you know, streamline your supply chain from an input standpoint down to, you know, two or three, you know, one primary and two or three, you know, secondary and a tertiary uh, supplier and really work with what they have and kind of dial in on a program that the, that those vendors offer whether it be with soils or containers or plant material fertilizer programs or whatnot. And I really think that, you know, to optimize profits from a differentiation standpoint, you know, the KISS method really applies, you know, keep it, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, and, and cause it can be costly to try to source things from too many different places in terms of freight and freight's a real number these days. 
you know, it's, it's gotten to become such a, such a large number, you know, on, on, on the expenses. Yep. Freight and labor. And I think that there is a, you know, you can go too far in that narrow and deep mentality. So it's, you know, it's gotta be tough to, to, to strike the right balance between narrowing down your product assortment and maybe going too far and then having that insanely broad assortment that we see at a lot of greenhouses that are hard to manage, hard to grow, and probably just confuses their customers on the wholesale side. Yeah, I think I think differentiation too. It, it goes beyond just the simple genetics and the selections around plant material to put in the greenhouse. I mean, um, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, growers and retailers that have a you know like a color theme. Okay. So I've, I've got some growers that I work with that they do everything in white mm-hmm. and all of their containers are white. All their signage is white. You know, their advertising is white and they're known, you know, that's okay. That's who they are because they use white for everything. Um, you know, simply beautiful is known for their pastel shaded pot and, and the, and the artwork. It's like, okay, I can see that across the greenhouse and I know it's simply beautiful much in the same way that when I walk through a garden center and I see the, the white pot with the proven winners, regardless of where it is. So there, you know, there's some of that brand recognition marketing in place. Um, and, and really the kind of the original in my mind is miracle Grow. Yeah. You know, miracle Grow has been around for decades and it's, it's like the Kleenex of water soluble fertilizers. You know, it's like, are you going to go pick up some miracle Grow today? And you might buy Jack's classic, but it's still miracle Grow in people's minds. Um, but yeah. So what if there's five garden centers, you know, I, you know, I, I, I remember in the 70s, 80s, and, and maybe into the early to mid-90s, you had primary garden centers. Um, some of the mass merchants really hadn't gotten into the, you know, big into the flower trade yet. And, you know, now we see situations where we've got small to mid-sized towns uh, where they might have five different retailers um, on a small, you know, in town that's got a portable greenhouse selling flowers and maybe a couple garden centers and maybe a flower shop. And it's like, well, how do I set myself aside? Mm-hmm. Um, I think selection is a big thing. And I think uh, service, you know, it, our industry is pretty cool. It's all about relationships, you know, in all aspects of this industry that I've worked in. It, it's relationship based. It, it's trust. And, you know, it, it's putting good people in place and, and taking care of the customers. So if I've got competitors in town, if you will, that they've got the satellite, you know, you know, take it down at the end of the season type retail environment, you know. I'm going to try to kill them with service, get the customers in for the service to help them with the technical aspects of being successful at gardening. Yeah. The service element can't be understated. I mean, it's a hard one to, uh, you know, it's a hard one to quantify, but it's certainly something that, that every shopper sees uh, pretty clearly and, and identifies with or doesn't. And then I think that also extends to wholesale growers, offering that personalized service to the retail customers and having that relationship. Um, you know, I think gone are the days of sending the, the weekly fax list. Now you're actually having a discussion ahead of the season to plan that product. And part of that is uh, economic, right? You, you want to, you know, you don't want to grow too much extra. You want to have some of those orders either pre-booked or pre-sold, but it, it comes down to those, those relationships, which brings me to my next question which I really don't have any sort of an answer to, which is where does the most important elements of differentiation lie? Is it 
is it on the wholesale grower side? Um, you know, again, I don't think you're sending black, you know, plastic flats to market that often, or does it come to on the retail side, all about that, that retail presentation or do they work together? Um, could even go back to the, to the breeder level, um, in terms of differentiating the genetics. So what do you, uh, what do you think about, about that? Where, where does the, the onus fall when it comes to differentiation? I, you know, we've, we've talked a, a good bit about, you know, the retail environment. And, you know, for this one, I really think that the opportunity for differentiation lies really with the wholesale growers. Because when we start looking at things, you know, as, as simple, let's assume that the quality is going to be great because, you know, the, the range of quality is so narrow these days. There's a lot of great growers out there. Um, but we, when, we, when we think about, you know, a 10-inch hanging basket. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the different 10-inch hanging basket manufacturers, I know at HC companies, you know, we have at least a dozen different 10-inch hanging baskets um, that range in price. You know, some of those baskets will be, you know, nine and seven eighths inches and 1.25 gallons all the way up to 11 inches and 1.74 gallons and beyond. And as a wholesale grower, uh, that is servicing a retailer who is likely buying from multiple wholesale growers and they're looking at a 10 inch hanging basket price on, on five different price lists. And you've got a range of, let's say $10 to $16 wholesale cost. What does that mean? Um, or maybe one of the growers is using one of the smaller hanging baskets and, and is able to afford the, the, or justify the pricing model that they put together based on the input costs because it's all about input costs mm-hmm. and the, the the grower that and they're doing a monoculture seed or whatever it is or a monoculture basket one of the other growers may be offering a multi-culture basket and it's an 11 inch basket 1.75 gallon so call it an 11 inch basket you're buying an 11 inch basket or if you've got other wholesale growers that you are quote unquote or in a way competing with in your market you know, take a look at what they're using and maybe try to see what kind of minor tweaks you can make to your offering to set yourself, you know, aside from that. Um, if you, I think if you can, if you can sell quicker, sell faster, sell more and in a dynamic market in the spring, it's like the spring chaos. Um, the pennies up front can really pay off, even though it still adds to the bottom line of your And and that kind of differentiation, I think, leads to loyalty from retailers too. If they see that that uh, that you as a wholesaler are putting, you know, a little bit of extra cost in on on your end, um, provide them with a product that they can use to differentiate from. Like you said, in in just about every town, there's multiple uh, outlets selling plants. It's not a you know, rarely do you go into a city where there's one greenhouse. that, that they're going to, you're going to build that loyalty and appreciation. And then they're on, you know, then they will probably take that next step to present that product. Well, market that product. Well, and, uh, and then it, you know, at the end, it all benefits the, the end user because, you know, a, a, a nicer, a nicer product or a, an upgraded product is, is going to look better in their yard or on mm-hmm. their porch. So absolutely, I think that, that, yeah, I mean, it, it falls to all levels of the chain, but, you know, our products start in a greenhouse. So that's really where a lot of that, those steps need to be, need to be taken. And, 
you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording about how the industry has changed over the years and how, you know, more growers have have taken the initiative to go out and, and source um, differentiated packaging. They've, they've learned from, you know, other retailers outside of the industry, the importance of packaging. And um, we're seeing it you now. We, we've seen it for, you know, a decade probably or more. But, you know, I think we're, we're starting to see the the proof uh, in the pudding that that an upgraded packaging and helping the retailers tell that story uh, is is driving sales. So, you, you, you know, our last podcast we talked a little, you know, about a little bit about pricing and, um, you know, and, and, and kind of you know one of the things that that I that I mentioned was if I'm buying building materials, I'm I'm not going to go to to one place to get my two by fours and go to another place for my two by sixes. I'm going to get them all at one place. And, you know, in, in terms of flower growing and both wholesalers and retailers, if, if you've got that thing, you know, the, the selection of vegetables, or maybe you've got the largest selection of geraniums. I happen to love geraniums. I mm-hmm. do them every year. I've got huge tubs of geraniums. They're one of my favorites or, or, or maybe you're doing the accent plants because it's your market is more rural that still does the cemetery boxes and you've got a huge selection of geraniums and accent plants. Um, if you do, if, if you differentiate yourself with a selection in a category or two, your customers, my customers, they didn't have time to order from five different places to get five different things. And if they, if they came to me, for the things that I had that nobody else had, they were going to get the rest of the stuff from me too. So, you know, even just minor tweaks in, in availability and selection and allocation of greenhouse space towards kind of a niche, if you will, can really go a long ways towards, you know, carrying, carrying the, the orders for everything else. Yeah. And it, it, I, I remember a story I heard from a retailer in Texas and, you know, we were talking, you know, what, what's, what's the, the coolest new product you had this year? And he said it was a three color Angelonia pot. It's like an eight inch pot, three different colors of Angelonia. <clears throat> Angelonia was a big crop for them. Um, mm-hmm. South. And uh, he said, yeah, it was just the, the grower got creative, popped three different color liners into that pot and, and produced something that my customers had never seen before. Uh, charge more for it on the on the retail end, and really, it, it was exciting. And you know, and we we chuckled and said, "Oh, that you know, that's just you know, being a little bit creative in how you're how you're potting it up." But it it really went a long way. So I think that there are a lot of different, probably inexpensive ways to differentiate that that will pay off and in, in mm-hmm. consumer excitement. So. It- Back to packaging, you mentioned packaging. Now, I I think that as we have some generational shifts that we're going through now that are that are pretty dramatic. I think that you know the the what I call maybe the 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 thought process for me coming up in this industry was grow a quality crop and it'll sell. And you know, kind of the joke as, as having sold containers for many years now, it's like we. We talk a lot about container sizes, colors, printing, no printing, private labeling, branding, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, if you grow a quality product, it's going to sell in spite of the container. But the younger shopper today, I'm seeing more instances. I love to tour garden centers in, in the springtime and just observe consumer behavior and see what's going on. 
And it, it's really interesting to me to see how the younger shoppers will actually, you know, really base their purchasing decision around what kind of container it's in or what color the container it's in. And so it, it's more than just quality, right? Packaging is such an important piece to it too. But if the quality is there, it's less important. Yeah. But like we've talked about, the quality is, you know, kind of table stakes these days. And, yeah. you know, even, and I know we're going to get into it a little bit in, in, in our next podcast, but, um, you know, I think today's shopper, there is a certain segment of today's shopper that's looking for the more sustainable packaging. Um, and I, that, can be challenging on the, you know, in the past, it was challenging on the grower side, much less so these days, but, um, you know, that that's another area that I think uh, can be differentiated. And, and we see it in just about every other consumer product, um, whether it's touting the health benefits of breakfast cereals or, you know, the vitamin content in the water and, th- and things like that. So um, there is a, a new, a new generation of shopper. It's a massive generation, which is exciting. And um, certainly as, as we move forward, the, the packaging and the type of packaging and the way the products are, are sold in the stores is gonna be even more critical. And not, not forgetting that, that this huge incoming generation of shoppers probably does not have the plant knowledge that, that their mom and grandma did. So um, yeah. you know, telling that story at retail and, and, and driving success and um, is, is gonna be extremely, extremely important and could be your differentiator, the thing that and, you hang your hat on. And, 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 you know, and to tie back to, uh, you know, our, our previous discussion too, you know, it, that, that's an opportunity to, you know, to, to harvest the value in the product too, you know, and I think we've talked about it or we will, or we have talked about price changes and it's so much easier to make a price change when you're making a product change, because now you're not just viewed as raising the price on something. That's true. Differentiation does uh, allow for that um, mm-hmm. in a big way. So I think we've, uh, this has been a, a good discussion, somewhat complex, but I think it's one that, that, that growers need to think about. And maybe you think about it through this season and start making some changes next year. Um, one of my favorite quotes is life starts at the edge of your comfort zone and we cannot shy away from having these kind of conversations and developing these new strategies. We don't want to be too late. Um, and I don't think we're too late at the moment. So um, what do you think, Bryce? Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? And then just definitely remind the listeners how they can get in touch with you or where they can learn more about HC. We are a very family-oriented industry. You know, we've got generations of, of greenhouse owners, operators, retailers, and, you know, I just think it's so cool when I see growers and retailers tying back to their family history and the things that they do. You know, it's part of their story. It's part of their success. It's part of their, you know, their, the lifeblood of their family. And, you know, maybe there's something that, you know, that your grandfather or great grandfather started out doing, I don't know, chrysanthemums or stocks or, you know, whatever's a cut flower or vegetables. And, try to tie that in as a differentiation tied into the family values and, and uh, you know, make some subtle changes. You know, the, the beautiful thing about change in my opinion is we don't have to change everything all at once. We can make minor tweaks and adjustments um, and kind of like, kind of like uh, prices in a Sunday ad, they go up and down every week. And uh, if, if that change doesn't work out then you've had very little, you're, you're out very little. 
Um, so instead of looking at it as this overwhelmingly, oh my gosh, I have to change everything, just uh, take on the adventure of trying one or two new things and implementing them into your, your product mix or your business plan and, and seeing how they pay off and let it evolve from there because we're in it to win it long term. It's not a just this year thing. So our businesses are going to continue to evolve. And, you know, we just got to have fun doing it because I think we all do what we do because we love this industry. For sure. For sure. And um, I, I can't go without saying how much I love it when I walk into a garden center or a greenhouse and see the old history, the old the old photos, the old, you know, implements that they used in the past, old trucks sitting around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that I don't I don't think it's just me. I think that there is, you know, there are a lot of shoppers out there who really want to see the the history and the family um, orientation of the business. And, um, I just about every, every, every listener has got to have old family photos from the greenhouse sitting around that you could frame up and use to, to tell that story. And that will differentiate you from anyone else. Cause nobody else has that story. Yeah. Um, it's that that's, yeah, I love it. I love it. I don't want to go off on a tangent on that. Um, and speaking of which we could on another podcast, so stay oh, for tuned sure. for sure. <laughs> Oh, I could do that all day. And it does, you know, it, 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 it kills me to end this episode. Um, but there is more. Bryce and I are going to be back soon to wrap up this little mini series with a topic that fits in with differentiation and pricing on so many levels, which is sustainable growing solutions. Think of it as the, the discussion on pricing with sort of an overview, differentiation uh, dug down a little bit deeper, and then sustainable growing solutions as a differentiator it's going to be, it's important now and much more important um, in the very near future. Uh, it's going to be a really good one, I'm sure. And it's going to have some really good action steps coming out of it. So Bryce, on behalf of myself, Ball Publishing and all the listeners, thank you so much. I think having conversations like this seems natural when you think of the camaraderie in our industry, which you you referenced earlier. Um, I do truly appreciate your time and your insight. And uh, thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. And like you, I could do this all day long. So it's a pleasure to be a part of this episode. Definitely, definitely. So I'm Bill Calkins with Tech On Demand, wishing you a fantastic season and encouragement to think about differentiation to engage your team in that discussion because everybody's going to have good ideas um, that, that can definitely factor in. So be sure to subscribe to the Tech On Demand podcast on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and just about all the others. Take care out there.